Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm your host, Sharnell Lennox. And in the studio with me today is Patreon and friend Andrea. Hi. I'm sorry. I saved a really gnarly one for you. That's good, though. <laughs> you, I figured you could handle yes, it. I can handle it, but I will warn everybody. I'm like a drunken sailor with my words. If you do not like the word fuck, <laughs> you might want to skip this podcast skip this altogether. <laughs> I'm just forewarning everybody. Oh, shit. So this is going to be a two-parter as well. So hopefully you can stick around for the, the second part. But I I read a book. Oh, Jesus. You know what happens when Charnel <laughs> reads books. And so and it's all linked in the show notes, just so you know. The book is called You Think You Know Me by Ryan Green. Pick up a copy if you're intrigued after you hear this case. But, of course, with my other sources that are also linked in the show notes, I... I got a deep dive going for us. So let's just start and talk about, uh, first, our perpetrator. His name is Herb Baumeister, B-A-U-M-E-I-S-T-E-R. Sounds good for me. Baumeister. He was born April 1947 to Elizabeth and Herbert Baumeister Sr. So his dad is also Herbert Baumeister. Okay. His dad was a successful anesthesiologist. Good. Yes. So his early, I I actually think that the way his life kind of goes and he goes on so long has a lot to do with his dad's profession and the connections and the wealth that they end up accumulating. Because okay. I think that this went on a lot longer than it maybe would have had he not been in that station in life. So his early childhood years were spent in Butler, Tarkington area of Indiana. This is an Indiana case. And his parents continued to create babies. Herb was the oldest. He then was followed by his sister Barbara, brother Brad, and then brother Richard. When Herb was nine, the family moved to a more affluent neighborhood of Washington Township, just outside of Indianapolis in Indiana. Okay. You know, as they start having kids, as um, Herbert and Elizabeth start having kids, and he is getting more and more recognized as a doctor, they slowly, over the years, just start, you know, move up in the world, they're essentially. They're elbows they are. with the right people. Yep, and they're getting into those nice neighborhoods, okay? Now, Herb was very happy to move to a larger house. He had his own space. He spent the first nine years of his life like making his siblings and his parents laugh no matter what the situation was. He was a goofball. He was like a, a, a class clown, Aww. if you will. Okay. He sounds good. I'm I'm don't I this is gonna just gut punch me, I know. It, it. really is. His early childhood years were not bad. I just want I that to get say, out it there right like now. It's such a good like storybook start in life. It it really was. There's not abuse, there's not trauma that we see. Okay, he took care, like he helped care for his younger siblings. He was close with them. He liked to make people feel good through laughter. And he would even like indulge if his siblings were like pestering him or whatever. He would indulge whatever silly wishes they had Mm -hmm. to take care of them. Okay, 
But his mom described him as being like a very caring and sensitive boy. Him and his mom had a very close relationship. They, she kind of recognized his sensitivities and his dad, his dad was like the provider. Okay. He's a doctor. He's away from the home a lot, but he, not to say that he's not a good dad. It's just, and especially in the seventies. No, a good dad back then took care of their family. You went to work, you provided by money, showed your love by, you know, you have a roof over your head. Buying the nice house. Yes, you have food. That Mm -hmm. was how they showed love. Yes, Yes. and that is what Herbert Sr. does, essentially. But he wasn't there a lot. And so with, with Herb Jr. being a sensitive type, he did become more of a mama's boy, naturally. He didn't have that physical connection with he his didn't. dad. No, nope, yeah. he didn't. But he also felt pressure to like please his dad. You know yeah. what I mean? Cuz he wasn't around as much. So and being that high influential mm-hmm. figure, yep. you do not want to let them down. You don't. And, and that still I think stands today. I it's think one so of those, too. It's just kind of inbred in us to not want to disappoint. Yes, your parents. parents. But he also we'll see later in life, he really wants to be as successful as his dad was. Actually, yes. he he states several times he wants to be more successful. Like he wants to do even better than this one person in his life that he wanted to please, you know, and, and just that, felt you like you see that a lot with yeah, people. Yeah. I think so. They go into kind of this lavish lifestyle and in Herbs, herbs, in herbs, mind. I would it's so gonna call happen. Him herb. I can't stand I, reading I the name. I can't either. Herb. I worked with a herb and I called him herb all yes. the time. I hate reading it. I'm like, it. I, you need to change your it's, name. It's gonna happen, it's people. A just name know for that. It is. I will say that he did really, really good in school. And in the beginning, he was popular. He had a good circle of friends. Up into up till his preteen times, he was kind of seen as being like wealthy, you know. Yeah. But his parents had caught had taught him good work ethics. Now at this point, I know you're not hearing. You're not hearing. You're not hating what you're hearing. No, right? I really think I like this kid right now, yes. and I know in the back of my head, I'm not going to. But I like the kid. Well, version of him, I think. In the early, up until his preteen years, there's nothing to hate about him. But when puberty hits, Andrea, shit starts to go down. Yes, it really was. I mean, in, in all seriousness, it was like the chemical reactions that started to happen in Herb's brain completely destroyed him. It really, really did. So here we are at you know, awkward boners and unwanted body hair as if the teenage years are not awkward enough. And then you have the fucking imbalance that you can't handle. Yes. Chemical imbalance is a no joke. It's not. And for him, it led to serious mental illness. I mean, he changed. sad. And I know he's not going to be a good guy now. No. But Mm -mm. it is sad that he went from being such a lovely funny what everybody wants their child to Mm -hmm. be yep to do really well in school yep so people in his everyday life noticed many changes oh you would that's like a huge that's a 180 yes yep and he still like he still was making jokes and trying to make people laugh but he got dark about it weird creepy and dark because he had unnatural desires and passions that awakened during puberty 
I'll just lay it on the line for you now. He's obsessed with death. Oh, that's great. We this is, is a case that of, is amazing. What the hell? This is a just, how do you go? I, it's a case of necrophilia. Oh, so God. you guys know. Thanks for saving this one for me. Yeah. What the yeah. fuck did I sign up for? I know. This is how I lose podcast hosts. Oh, my God. <laughs> you won't lose me for this, but what the fuck? Yeah. I'm yeah. already gut punched. Like, literally, my stomach just dropped. How did I go from liking this little boy mm-hmm. to necrophilia? And how it starts, as it does for most, is with an obsession of death with, like, roadkill dead animals that's how these desires kind of awaken for him is that he sees it of course as a child that is how you would first be introduced to death you know so he sees a crow on the side of the road it intrigues him he goes and this is an actual story that one of his friends from high school like early high school years remembers about him he came upon him poking his finger into a dead crow. Ew. Well, this gave Herb a boner. Shut the hell up. Playing what? with this dead crow. Oh my God, no. And so he, yeah, I know. He starts to, that's what starts it, is just seeing, it starts with these animals. You exactly. literally just ruined every walk I will ever go on, every drive. Like, I need to move to a city. You're welcome. I You're welcome. literally, I know. I, I'm, I'm packing my shit when I get home. Yep. Like, that's it. Yep. So, I can't. as you can imagine, this makes him dark and weird right like he's now he goes from being the jokester to making people laugh to like he's still joking but now it's gross stuff it's stuff that's like wait why are you even thinking about that like that shouldn't be a joke and i do have some second like i even feel bad for that kid that walked up like can you imagine what he thought seeing all of that transpire he tried to ignore he literally just chalked it up to like okay maybe he just randomly popped a boner because you know we're young and sometimes that happens but as you get older and you know about all of this well i'm sure once he was interviewed for this book he was traumatized well yeah that has to fuck with your head (laughs) of course it does like i'm stuck on this poor child that like wasn't really intended to be a part of any no. of this or know anything. He literally was like, he hey, Herb, what up. are you doing You're with that crow? You're hard on a corpse of a crow. Yeah. Like, how do you find that sexually attractive? Yep, yep. Now, he's not, Herb was not an athlete, okay, which made him feel like, and I think he always wanted to be, he wanted to be a part of the popular crowd. And at this time, the popular crowd are the athletes, right? Yes. So he tried to get his attention through, like, joking and you know drawing attention to himself that way he was kind of a ruckus in class really he was disruptive a lot kid you did not want in your class no right and he's seeking attention constantly okay he never dated any girls in school and he really didn't interact with them at all well, so, no, he was attracted to the dead crow on the side he was but also i'll just tell you right now he is gay okay but it is 1960s, yeah, people. Yeah, you don't say anything. He can you cannot. And he has this... Not to mention, like, even 
back then the parents would have had oh hell issues. no like that his doctor, dad is a doctor yeah, you he would have lost his status nope. and it should never be like that no but unfortunately mm-hmm. it was yep so this is i mean this is the era that we're talking about um you know and and actually i apologize because he was born yes he was born in 1947 i don't know why i was thinking 74 I, I transpose those numbers in my head but by the time he gets to the point where he realizes he's attracted to other men it is 1960s and he is in no position where he can oh, no. so this but think about this socially this makes him more awkward and he is then joking he was, yes. like he's you know his defense mechanisms are through joking so he is joking like making homosexual jokes <sighs> That are making people uncomfortable because they're like, okay, you know, it's just, it's just the times like we don't, and it, he joked about it so frequently. It did make people think that he was probably homosexual. Well, yeah. If you brought it up all that the time. much, yeah. yes. His transition from class clown turned into, you know, a guy who would just say whatever came to his mind. If it was dark and twisted, it didn't matter. He had no filter. So at one, for example, there is this one example in the book where he literally wondered out loud to his group of friends, I wonder what urine would taste like. What the hell? I can honestly say I that I've got some had... dark and twisty friends, but we've never no. wondered what urine tastes like. I'm pretty sure that friend group was like, peace out. We're they done. were just like, like ah, he has to have a new ah, friend group now. Okay. Yeah, like, what the hell? Then he actually wondered if it would taste better cold or right out of the body. Neither. Yeah, right. Neither. I'm going to say that there's not a way to make urine taste no. good ever. Neither. Also, to make this whole situation worse, he then proceeds to chase the boys around that are in this group asking to get a drink. Shut shut up. I can't. <laughs> Which is what? like, what? No. Get new friends. Herb. Like, like Herb. Herb. I did we're it. Just, we're calling him Herb. His name is name Herb. His name is Herb, just so everybody Herb knows. Ballmeister. We've made an executive decision. It is like, Herb. Herb, you're not going to take a drink. He's like going after their crotches. Like, I wonder what urine tastes like. Give and me a he drink. he probably wants more than that. Let's yeah. face it. Yes. These guys, I, I don't care if it's the 60. They're not stupid. No, like, exactly. Hey, that's like a two for one in his world. Yes, yes. This is, you guys, the awkwardness that I'm talking about. He That's did stuff like awkward. this constantly. Like therapy. His dad's a doctor. Why did he not get a therapist? Because his dad's a doctor. Mental health is in its infancy. Oh, that's right. And to admit that you have you a can't. child that needs mental health help. You can't. Mm-mm. It would have taken forbid. him down notches. Oh, yeah. God forbid. In his status as doctor. So Ryan Green points out in his book that boys at his, his age which is like puberty age, you know, vocalize some of disgusting things that they consider to be funny and even like a common mantra, like in the Stephen Smith case was boys will be boys, right? Like we heard that a lot. So People still say that. They do. They do. And so I liked that Ryan Green point this, pointed this out. He said, you know, if a girl of this time had behaved even a fraction of, of what Herb was up to, <laughs> A girl would have been sent to a psychiatric hospital. Oh, for sure. But because he was a boy was at this fine. time, it was boys will be boys. And and he's not wrong. If a girl chased around other girls wondering if urine tasted oh, good, yeah, chilled, or 98.6 degrees and wanted it right out of the tap. Oh, yeah. Oh, you'd yeah. be in a fucking straitjacket. Mm-hmm. 
yes. locked in a ward. Yep. So he was simply being laughed at and, and not scolded for his odd thoughts. So this escalates and it starts into him doing some of the things that he was actually wondering about. So it went, it goes from wondering to, to like trying. Yep. He was known to pee on his classmates' shoes as a joke. Shut the hell up. Mm-mm. He put cut up worms in classmates' sandwiches and they're in their lunchbox. His friend caught him once on the brink of orgasm while poking his finger into the dead crow, oh, like I can't. told you. Mm-hmm. But to make matters worse, I had forgot this detail until I'm at this point in my notes now. His friend, he had actually, so he'd poked his fingers in, but then rubbed them all over his oh, lips. Oh, I can't. And he, his I, friend Bill saw this. I can't. I literally am smelling the stench of uh-huh. what these rotting corpses oh, yeah. are on the side of the road. And there's maggots everywhere. Yes. Oh, and yeah. A, how can you even get close enough to touch it yep. without Let puking? Let alone rubbing it on, on your, your lips. Uh-huh. And so, but not to mention all the shit they carry. They're well, not but, like. I know. I had thought that too. Vaccinated no, creatures. These are disease infested. Yes. Mm-hmm. They Absolutely. eat other dead things. They do. Then, to make matters worse, that same bird... It can't get any worse Well, it gets worse for the teacher, because that same bird that Bill saw him getting off to was then put on the teacher's desk. Shut the hell up. Giving it as a gift. Yes. It's like a cat. Yes. It's very primal. Very animalistic and primal. Yes, like, here, Mm -hmm. I'm giving you a gift. Yep. Yep. And his friends did not tell other adults about this behavior, about the, you know, being peed on by this boy, all the stuff he's doing to these. No, it was boys will be boys. He's the weird guy, the weird class clown. It's just, you know, her being Herb. Literally, that's what they would say. Until one day, a teacher came back to her desk to find he had urinated on her desk. And his classmates didn't exactly, like, throw him under the bus, but there was enough indication that everyone knew exactly who it was because they'd been peed on by this kid before. So, of course, and they, you know, the bird on the teacher's desk, well, now we're urinating on the teacher's desk. I am not, like, it's, my dog knows better than to do that, and he pees on absolutely everything outside. Your dog is doing it to mark things. Yeah, I feel like he's... Marking territory. He's getting off on this. He likes this. This is a part of his. He likes to mark his territory with pee on people mm-hmm. and yeah. things. Urination is is a part of his um, erotica. I have never. Okay, so I know like some right. Let's not stuff. say you've never heard yes, of it, Andrea. I do know some fetishes are yeah. like that. Yeah. But to, but this started. But to me, in, fetishes are like when you're in the bedroom yes. doing stuff yep. with another partner, right? Consensually. Yes. Mm-hmm. No. Not this is doing yeah. it in a public school building to your teacher, mm-hmm. peeing yeah. on her desk while she's not, or he, whoever right. was not there, unsuspecting, and unwilling, not consensual to whatsoever. Yes. Yeah. This is horrible. Nobody wants their stuff peed on by any no. uh, anything. In period. Right. They did call his parents. This was like, okay, enough is enough. Yep. So the parents are like, okay, we see you. We hear you. They didn't even, this is the thing. They knew their kid was weird as fuck, right? And was probably capable of this. So they didn't deny it. They just told them, you know what? You're right. We're going to go ahead and get them, get him some help. Because we can afford it. Oh, now we're going to get help. Yeah. 
They don't. Well, no, because they don't. But they tell the school that they're going to just to appease the school. Okay. And so realistically, over the years, they did not make the referrals that they were constantly telling school personnel that they would make because in the fact of the matter is they were worried about the fact that his father's medical connections, eventually it would come out and be realized. And they would be able to, I'm sure wherever they took them. Even though it's supposed to be, you know, confidential with your patients. Yeah, but no. People talk within buildings. Mm -hmm. And even your secretary who makes the appointment, whatever. Yes. Yep, and that's what they were afraid of. You know, pillow talk, and it would just kind of spread from Mm -hmm. there. Yep, so they weren't willing to take that risk. So they just kept saying, yep, we'll, we'll make the referrals. And they had those connections that they could have, but they just didn't. So later in life, he is diagnosed with schizophrenia. I'll say that. But sense. in the 1960s, mental health was just, a, you know, a teeny baby, wasn't taken seriously, and not to mention, in his father's eyes, and this isn't wrong, this is not wrong, but his father knew the things that he would be subjected to if they put him in a mental health hospital. Yes. And it's true, especially in this era, and especially with the diagnosis of schizophrenia. There was, and electroshock therapy. And he knew his son would be subjected to that. So they weren't willing to do that. I I do see that part. Yeah. I do. Me too. That portion of it, I understand. As a doctor, especially, he would know. And, and this it. is the exact same time, if you remember from the Stephen Smith case, that Dr. Milner was doing all those experiments yes. on kids with both electric shock therapy and chemicals, drugs, all kinds of stuff, not to mention the sexual abuse things. So quite frankly, he probably did save him from A enduring torture. torture. Yep, yes. yep. Which God only knows what that would have done to his psyche, considering he's already chemically imbalanced enough. So I will say... His friends do pull away from him, as I'm sure comes as no surprise. I'm kind of glad. But his father does too. Like, he is now, you know, he's not living up to his father's expectations. He is a very influential, successful doctor. Doesn't want the ties. And, yep, he's got this weird kid mm -hmm, that's got issues in his mind. And, no. So his teachers do what they can to evade and ignore him. And he actually is very intelligent. I feel like we say that a lot about people who end up being serial killers. Although he is really intelligent, he really stops participating with school, you know, things, his grades start slipping. But he becomes more and more obsessed with darkness and death and all of those things that are arousing him. I mean, we see in in teenagers that you know their academics may slip a little bit once they get a taste yes. of some of the pleasures of the flesh yes. if you will <laughs> and become more obsessed with it you know girls distract boys boys distract oh, girls yeah. all of that stuff but what's happening for him is that his mom is seeing this. She's seeing his grades slip. She's seeing him slipping into more weirdness, dark humor, um, doing weird things, having strange thoughts like, I wonder what urine tastes like. Okay, he's not filtering any of those things. And his mom, though, she is legitimately bonded to him. I was going to say that had to have been terrible for her because yep. they were so close. They were. They were. And you can't help. 
Yes. Your child. And she actually said that she struggled and she cried a lot during their interactions because her heart was broken. I'm sure. For the fact that she knows he needs help, but she doesn't know how to get him the help. I mean, legitimately, what is going to help him, you yeah. know, with this? So Especially back in the 60s. Yes. You know, even yep. 70s. It was. This is hard. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. In not all names were there for mental health. No. Let alone no. treatment. Yeah. So yes, and, and like, how do you be... how do you bring your child out of this type of darkness when this is what arouses them? Yes, this is how they're getting. And that you know? makes it even worse. Is more of an mm-hmm. attachment for mm-hmm. him. Throughout his teenage years, as his body developed and he learned, you know, he actually learned a common trait of most psychopaths. He started to learn as he saw how it's breaking his mom's heart, the way he was acting and whatnot. He does learn some sort of semblance of rational behavior. So. He, for example, this is like knowing like when someone close to you dies, you should be sad, but you don't actually feel sad. You just fake sadness on the outside for the world to see because you know that that's what people expect of you. Okay. Very common. Yep. This is a very common trait for um, like psychopaths, sociopaths, those sorts of things. In the there those tra- those traits are not used or those names are not used in the DSM five. It's personality disorders wrapped up into personality yes. disorders now. But we we see this. They learn how to like. I'm not actually sad that this happened to this person. I just know society expects me to be sad. So right now I'm going to fake sadness. That's what Herb ends up doing. Is he realize he finds this balance through his puberty and interactions with his parents and his classmates and all this stuff that he needs to start acting more a, normal yes. if you will yes okay show when he's in public yes yep exactly i should note that this does not mean that someone that has these traits will become killers but a lack of empathy makes them more prone to kill because their moral compass is often their moral compass is not pointing north right he recognizes that he has a fascination with the smell, the taste, the feel, and the look of death. And that is a turn-on for him, but it's not a turn-on for others. So he starts to hide it or, like, fake it. So right now, is he only, like, doing, like, he's only messing around with the dead animals animals when he finds them. Uh Is he killing them? Mm -mm. Okay, so he's just finding them. We actually have no information that says he killed animals. Okay. At all. No, he he does this as well with he knows, quote, he's not supposed to be sexually attracted to other men because it's not acceptable yeah, for the time. Exactly. So he hides it. He start, you know, he he hides that as well. But the world was confusing for him because he could see that this in the, and I could see how this would be confusing. He's like, wait, I can make subtle jokes about death and and even being homosexual. But. He couldn't find that balance of like that tendency to be like really extreme were too far. So he's constantly in this back and forth of like, wait, but they're laughing. They laugh at this, but, but they then don't, they don't laugh at yeah. this. And he doesn't understand that like you've taken it too far. He's struggling because he's faking all of this. Yeah. So he doesn't know where the line is because he literally can't see it. He gets a lot of conflicting social cues from people, which make his life and everyday reactions with people or interactions with people a struggle. Well, it would be because everyone has a different sense of humor as it is. Even the quote unquote 
normal mm-hmm. people in society. Right. Like some, you and I can laugh at like some pretty fucked up stuff. I'll just Certainly, say absolutely. We can put our minds there, but then other people are like, that's not like, funny. Like, that's not funny. Yes, like, exactly. Oh my God, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. Like, there, it, there's just, and then there's the dry sense of humor people. Like, yes. it's, it would be very hard if you could not even you know, know what right. truly a joke is. Yes, yes, exactly. And then trying to figure out your audience mm-hmm. for your joke. Yep. Because that's different too. It is. And, it, and he doesn't understand that some people might find things like this funny, whereas others aren't going yes. to. How he handles this is he becomes more reclusive in order to have his dark and devious desires with less notice. He's just like, you fine, to, people yeah. aren't for me yeah. then. You yep. have to. He did graduate. When he graduated, he attended Indiana University, but he was not well received at Indiana University because of his dark sense of humor and his desires. And it's no longer by a college professor and classmates that don't know him. It's not being chalked. It's no longer being chalked up to boys being boys or that's just weird, weird herb being weird herb. Right? No, he, so he was treated really poorly when he was there. Obviously he was doing things that were not appropriate. So he returns home before the end of his first semester, which causes a big problem with his dad. Oh, well, His yeah. successful dad. He was less than impressed. In, t- in his mind, this made him his dad look bad because his firstborn son can't even get through one semester of college without and leaving. And I wonder if the dad got excited for him leaving because that took the focus off of my weird child. Well, and then you come back and it's like, oh, shit. Legitimately, his dad was like, you know what? College is going to be good for him. He's going to straighten himself out. Oh, so he was one mm-hmm. of those. Like, so now we've lost the, yeah. the answer to yep. all. Yes, just growing up, maturing more, you know, and yeah. getting that degree and going on to it. He's going to straighten up. His dad does help him get an entry-level job at the Indianapolis Star, all right, as a copy boy. So he's making okay. copies. Now, he is a copy boy, but he dresses in a suit and tie like he was like the editor of this newspaper, okay? He tried rubbing elbows with all the higher-ups and was determined to be successful after dropping out of college. So the thing is, he's still making like oddball and dark remarks, but luckily for him, the advertising executive, Gary Donna, had himself a little bit of a dark and twisty sense of humor as well, and so... He would just fall onto the safe, like the comments of like, that's just her being her. He was like willing to accept him more. And so he takes him under his wing a little bit. Well, one day at work, they were playing, they were planning on going to a football game and he's not into sports. Like he's not a jock, but he wants to fit in. So he's like, you know what? You guys want to go to Indiana University football game, whatever. I'm going to drive you. So they're like, oh, Okay. So he shows up wearing a chauffeur's outfit with the hat on to his co-workers. I cannot. With the hat on and tells them, like, her ballmeister at your service. Shut the fuck up. Yes. What the hell? That's when you turn around and go back in your house. You're like, I can't. Oh, no. I'm going to make it even darker. He holds your nubs, everyone. (laughs) What the hell is wrong He went to pick them up in a fucking hearse. Shut up. What the fuck? He was going to chauffeur them in a <laughs> Just hearse. sit in the back. I have a box ready for you. Yes. Yeah. 
He got, his dad had connections at the hospital that put him in touch with one. And so he buys this Hearst as a freaking, at a freaking discount. Oh my God. And this is what he ends up driving. Hey, come on in. Mm -hmm. One Mm -hmm. can sit up front. The rest can sit in the box in the back. Yep. Wearing a chauffeur outfit. He bought it. And now he's going to drive it. And he shows up to Drive the, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. So obviously he didn't get the lavish praise that he so desperately wanted from this, okay? I am in utter shock. Yeah. I can't, my mouth is like wide open. But these are the awkwardnesses where he's like. That's beyond awkward. You go way too far. Yep. There's another example of Herb going too far socially. So the thing is, is that this is another like pretty common trait. He in his mind, deserved to be at the top. He didn't want to work his way up, Andrea. He For wanted him, it handed to he's him. He's a narcissist, and so he is better than everybody else. And he came to work dressed in a suit, and he's rubbing elbows with the higher-ups. Why was he not made editor immediately, right? So he's pissed off because this doesn't get him where he wanted. He isn't getting the instant success that he wants, so he quits this job. He's no longer a copy boy. His the father, one that his dad got for him exactly. Yes. Well, and we're going to see that a lot. His dad gets him a lot of jobs, um, so he is livid. His dad is so pissed. He shart, starts. He sharts. Sharts. He he might have sharted. He was so pissed. He probably did. We don't know, but he was livid and he was shaming him. He's like, you know, um, I will make you a deal. I just want you to complete one class at the university. One class. To prove that you can complete something. So what does what does Herb pick? Is one class? Human anatomy. Of course. Mm-hmm. So his dad is like, fuck yeah. You can be the a doctor. Ap- yes, the apple's not falling far from the tree yes. here. What I've always wanted. Yep. Yep, you if you're interested in human anatomy, maybe this can blossom into something more. When instead the apple had fallen way before it was ripe, rolled down the hill, ended up in a ditch where it was eaten by worms and rodents and then shat out in a dramatic fashion all over some unsuspecting persons. I'm Oh God. For sure. Like he 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 was so wrong about why his son wanted to take this class. He was very far from the family tree. He picked it because he hoped that he would be able to assist with an autopsy on an actual dead person. Because that's what they let you do in an entry-level course. Oh, yeah. So luckily he did not. Thank God. But the class did still interest him, and he stopped trying to gain social attention and focus. You know, like, he was not the class clown. He actually put his mind to work, and he did really well because it it kept his attention. Like, you know, more what you were saying um, earlier. He dressed well for class each day. He was quiet and studious, and his father became really pleased. So he finished this class. He does. He finishes this class. And this accomplishment in school and praise from his father gave him confidence. So he started to go out and enjoy some of the nightlife that Indianapolis had to offer at this point. So he's a young adult, feeling good, getting a little bit more confidence. And he decides that he's going to go into Indianapolis and he's going to visit some gay bars. Okay. And drag acts and things like that. Instead of driving his usual usual hearse... (laughs) Because he would have been identifiable. A red flag, yes. That one would yep. be like highlighted balloons attached yes. to it. Like, here I am. Yep. Yeah, you can't drive the hearse. He took uh, public tra- transportation 
That was a smart move. Yes. But at this point in time, this is where we start to see him live two different lives. Oh, okay. He, car- he like compartmentalizes himself, quite frankly. So he could be one person in Indianapolis, the downtown nightlife in Indianapolis, more true to himself, really, than he's ever been because he can can go into gay bars and be open. Other people there have those common interests as well. And a lot of the same stories besides Mm -hmm. the gruesome, like, yes, cut cut out the being aroused by death death Uh in poking and rubbing Uh stuff on your face. They're going through the same thing. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. they're hiding from their family. Right. They. They, too, kind of have a separate life. Yes. But without the psychopath attachments. Yes. Yes. Yep. The other thing is, is that he was even, like, able to casually sprinkle in some of his dark humor. Because these people had been going through some sprinkle. shit, too. Yeah. You know, of, like, being, you know, being shamed by their families, oh, not being course. accepted, all this stuff. So they have more of an open mind. Back at his other life at the university, though, he joins this group called the Young Republicans Club. He did this to please his father. Of course. You know, and yes. he had like very extreme right wing, right wing views on politics, even though they were a total contradiction to, to how he led his life. In what he ha- yeah. stands for. Uh-huh. So That's he, cr- it, well, it is it's, weird. It's not crazy because it totally makes sense with his. Yes. His because in his, in his mind. He feels like he should be ashamed for, he's been made to feel like yes. he should be ashamed. Well, and the times. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So he's jumping on this polar opposite bandwagon, joining this club to act like he agrees. Yes. Like, yes, no one should be homosexual, yada, 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 whatever. So he is, expresses these very strong right wing p- political views and ends up gaining respect in this organization. And he meets a woman named Juliana uh, Sater, S-A-I-T-E-R, who was a high school English teacher. She shares his political views. They both had an interest in cars. She was really clean cut, well dressed. I don't like where this is going. Um, It's not going anywhere too bad yet. Yeah, no, Julie's not a victim. Okay. Julie's not a victim. Now, typically, this is exactly what his parents like had wanted for him. It was a good Julie was a good distraction for him from his morbid obsessions with corpses and death. All right. So he actually stops visiting the gay scene for a while in Indianapolis and he starts dating Julie. This is the first woman that he has ever dated. And he for a while kind of looks like a law abiding citizen to the naked eye. Yep. But how many times have we seen this when someone with a chemical imbalances to oh, this yeah. magnitude yeah. tries to repress their innermost passions and desires? And try to make daddy happy. Mm-hmm. It never, never ends well. Now, because this is the first woman he's ever brought home, Herb's mother keeps her lips sealed. Well, she yeah, knows. she does not want Mm-mm. her to know anything. No. She knows about her son's dark desires and issues, but she's not telling Julie. Okay, she's hoping Julie's relationship is going to fix him. So when they dated, Herbert actually went to many job interviews that just didn't work out because there were a lot of people that could see through him. He couldn't maintain himself. Like he would even in job interviews, there would be some of that dark humor, some of that twisty stuff. Yep, and going too far, come Not out. Reading his audience. Yep, and it left people uncomfortable. He had like he was described as having kind of an aura of chaos, and people could see his lack of empathy. Frankly, 
it gets to the point where his relationship with Julie, he can't find a job and his relationship with Julie is like the only stable thing happening in his life. So he just goes ahead and asks her to marry him. Of course. Right. That makes total sense. Yep. Because this is, next. he's clinging desperately to keep up with the standards of like his father and society. A victim in the fact that I think she, it sounds like she really did love him and care for him. She really does. So yeah, she really does. It's there. Everything's based on a lie. Yeah. In a oh, show. yeah. She is kind of a victim. She is. And later in life, she does the right thing. But yes, she absolutely is. But I was just letting you know, she's a survivor. Yeah, she's a survivor. Yeah, not a murder victim. And she must have just been okay with his... Because you know he wasn't maintaining around her always. You couldn't. If he couldn't during a job interview. Yeah, you couldn't at home. Yeah, and so I think she was just, oh, that's just her being her. You know, that old thing. You know, and when he's if acting you think like about that. it, we have even our husbands do stuff that we're like, yeah. oh, well, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, or you just ignore because you're like, yep, I that's, can't. Exactly. That's Matt being Matt. Yeah. And I'm sure there's things about me, Chad too. And he's Chad, just like, it's like, whatever. Absolutely. You just and, the, and there are let things. It go. Yes. So in 1971, they marry at the United Methodist Church in Indianapolis. And as expected from a resp- respectable doctor in the early 70s, the wedding was like the social event of the season. And Herb at this point had learned to navigate unfamiliar social events with like a calm demeanor, no longer trying to get attention and navigate using um, inappropriate comic outbursts. Okay. So the, everyone who attended it that knew him previously was really surprised, like that knew him in high school and stuff was really surprised to see it kind of looked like he had grown up. Right. Yes. Age will do that. They, they just put it in that category. Right, He's right. matured, grew out of it. And at this point, Julie and Herb had not been physically intimate because of their good Christian upbringing. Of, it wasn't that convenient for him. Yes, that prohibits sex before marriage. But now they're married and there is no escaping this for him. And remember, women do not turn him on at all. Very early on, like Julie takes notice that he would only change in the bathroom and that he did seem to kind of be disgusted when she would parade around in front of him naked trying to get his attention. And this is where my heart breaks for Julie because she wanted to be intimate with him and he wouldn't. And so she chalked it up to him just being really shy and sweet. You know, she had heard stories about how he wasn't popular in high school and wasn't the jock. And so she thought, you know what? Maybe he just needs some more confidence. So she becomes more brazen in her attempts to be intimate with him. Yeah, she tries to become a little siren, you know, and he becomes more withdrawn. The problem is the more pressure that's put on him, the less stable he's becoming with his mental health. Well, yeah. The stressors, right? He's already repressing all of his internal desires and trying to fake himself into thinking that they're not and there. If their marriage doesn't work due to intimacy, what will mm-hmm. society what will his think parents and his think? dad? Yep. And, oh. yep. So Julie reaches out to Herbert Sr. Oh my God, no. And tells him about this. And in less than 24 hours, they have him committed to a psychiatric unit for treatment for depression. 
because in, you know, Herbert Sr.'s mind, like, okay, he doesn't want to be intimate with his wife. He's becoming more withdrawn. He is, like, chaotic, being more chaotic because of the fact that she's putting on more pressure and he doesn't know how to handle it. And the reason he doesn't know how to handle it is because none of this stuff is really him, you know, to his dad. It's like, he must be depressed, but he was there for two months and almost immediately, this is where the diagnosis of schizophrenia comes in within like a day of him being there at the same time though, at this time, any abnormal cognitive dysfunction was schizophrenia. Yep. But this is good news for Herb. Because he finally has a diagnosis to blame all of his dark thoughts, desires, and behaviors on. So he can know, he can stop beating himself up over it because it's not Herb that gets off on dead things. It's the schizophrenia. It's schizophrenia, Herb. Yes. It's not really him. So he's like, this, this actually releases him. He feels really good. He comes out of his bout of depression because to him, none of his actions from this point forward, if he is to move on these desires, are his fault. Because Perfect. Yes. He doesn't need to worry now, about it. Did he? Did they do like an ongoing treatment that he was supposed to like? Yeah. Or did they just they tell released him? This him and, his, and actually, his dad was like, I see the signs of my son. He's normal again. Oh, his God. dad busts him out of there. Ends the treatment Great. abruptly. Great. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's what you do as a doctor. Well, and that's just it. The doctors were like, hold the phone. There is treatment that he needs to follow up on and medications that he needs to follow up on. But because of the stigma on mental health, the good doctor, Herbert Ballmeister Sr., was like, nope. Peace out. Yep, my son's good. We're busting him out of this joint, and we will not be doing any more follow-up treatment. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 101 of do not do with mental health. Right. Like, that's the very first fucking chapter. Exactly. So when he returns home, his sex life with Julie starts to take off, actually. Really? They start to be intimate because he no longer feels ashamed to fantasize about necrophilia when he's with her because of his schizophrenia. It's okay now. Do you tell her to just lay there and, like, don't breathe, don't move? Yes. He did. And they could only. Keep your arms really tight. So I think it's like, you know. Yep. She couldn't, she still couldn't see him naked though. Every sex act that was carried out had to be done in the dark, which again, Julie is just like, okay, this is because he is ashamed of his body because he was picked on as a child for not being a jock. And I'm just going to, you know, go with that. I'm sure she was just probably happy to finally be getting laid. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. What, however you need to do it is. Yep. Yeah. But she also is kind of turned on by the fact that now he has confidence and he's acting around the house more like a man. He's making decisions. He's being a part of the marriage, stereotypically how a man should at in this time in the seventies. Okay, so she is and she likes that this. Yes, yes, she likes that he's at, he literally is acting quote more like a man. So if there was a disagreement, like a good wife, she would just go ahead and agree with his side because that's what wives do. And she was happy to see him like taking initiative and even have an opinion about stuff. Because he's out of his depression, right? And she felt, in her mind, that's how marriage should be. The wife dotes on the husband and goes with whatever the husband says. Sounds like somebody that's codependent on... Well, yeah, yeah. but you do have to think about those times, man. That's how it was. It was. Women really, you were a bad wife if you told your husband what to do or you disagreed with 
with him and didn't follow his I would have been a horrible wife. Like, There's people a reason wrote, I was born when yes. I was born. People would have wrote columns about yeah. do not do what Andrea yes, does. Yes, absolutely. And how is she still married? Yep. Like my mom still gets up and makes my dad breakfast like mm-hmm. every morning. If he got up at three, she would be up at two making him a hot breakfast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, peace out, see you when you get home from mm-hmm. work. I don't even wake up. Right, And right. Chad, we were literally just talking about this, and Chad goes, I knew when I married you that was not you. Yeah, no, <laughs> not, not the type of wife I'm going to be. If you want somebody like that, like. It's not how Julie is, you know. She's going to have three meals a day on the table for her oh husband. Oh, my God, bless her. He's going to go and not. be the, you know, the breadwinner. Although, she but is teaching. did he get teaching. a job yet? No, so no. We're getting to that. He does a get job. a job through the help of his father, again, at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. And he okay, stays so in this job for quite some time. That sounds good. But she's also still teaching. She doesn't quit her teaching job. That's, that's good. She was a teacher when they met. And so she's just accepting, you know, him. He does decide, though, when he gets out of the mental institution, mental health hospital, actually. He does tell her, you know what, I am going to start taking some me time, okay? I'm going to be going on long walks, long drives. I want to be left alone with my thoughts. I might go visit some old friends, maybe even go to the local library and take some time for myself, and Julie's like, okay, I'm gonna He's accept going to accept this. Bars, isn't he? he absolutely is. Okay. Yes, a hundred percent. But Julie is accepting this of like, okay, what my man says goes. Yep. He wants this time to himself. I'm gonna give him this time to him to himself. Okay, he does get a job at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles with the help of his dad. It was an entry level position, but he did soon start to feel as though he could be moving up within the ranks. He was meticulous, and he did everything by the books. Like he is a rule follower when it comes to like, this is how you file this form. You've got to file this form. It's very black and white for him when it comes to job duties. Okay. Which is good for the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. That's amazing. It's amazing. And you can move up Mm -hmm. very quickly. And that's exactly what happens. Question what you're doing. Yes. And even so, some of his other coworkers who have been there longer than him, he starts correcting their work. And it's like, this is how we're supposed to do it. Why aren't you doing it? His coworkers fucking hate him. Oh, of course. But you upper do not management, want you no, you don't want her, her as telling your, you mm-hmm. that you're doing it wrong yep. after 20 years, even though they were absolutely doing oh, it I'm wrong. Sure. And then when you find out, like your manager, the manager's yeah. like, really? Why haven't I caught this? Like you would right. probably even be like, I need to keep him on my side so yes. I don't get kicked out of my own office so he doesn't start critiquing my work Mm -hmm. well that's just it he's upper level management's wet dream oh of course so they love him smoothly Mm -hmm. with old herb at work in the counter it does it does so he's a pain in the ass but management's like you know what and they actually start considering him for leadership positions which gives him more confidence this is finally what he's been looking for a way to move up all right and you're working for the state, which yeah. is great. Yep. So he's he's making money. Like, this is the most stable, really, that we've seen him be. But with this new confidence, he's taking his alone time, as he told Julie that he would be needing. And because it seems like there's a connection for him. Whenever there's confidence, then he goes to his to the gay bars and to the scene where he feels that he fits in because he has that confidence and so he can go and he's hooking up with random men and he's being himself you know being true to himself of who he really is but here's the problem he's doing all this and it should be making him feel good right but these men that he's having sex with are warm they're alive they make noise 
they let him know that they that they are being pleased by what he's doing to them. They don't stay put where he positions them. None of these things are satisfying to him because necrophilia does not work like that. He wants his sexual experiences to be all about him. He does not want a warm body. He doesn't want one that's making noise. He wants to only hear his own pleasure and his and he wants total silence from his subject. He wants to be able to position this person exactly as he wishes and have them stay there. And these things are just not possible with a live partner. Okay. In the book, Ryan Green does talk about this one encounter with a young man. Herb does not even know his name. Okay. Oh my God. But he almost strangled this young boy to death. And the boy thought that they were playing in erotica, that they were doing like an erotica play. All right. And just kind of thinking that he just kind of liked it rough, whatever. And so he was talking like he was agreeing with everything, even, you know, with the strangulation and whatnot. He is this boy is like letting Herb know that he's enjoying it. Well, the continuous talking makes her it did. And it makes him push harder and harder on this boy's throat to the point where he almost does take it too far. And afterwards, as he's reflecting, he realizes that this set a really dangerous like precedent for him is what we what we think. This boy does not die like a true. This is actually like a quote from Ryan Green's book, quote, like a true psychopath. He wanted the world to revolve around him. He wanted other people to be his playthings, not his equals, end quote. But in this point in time, he had not considered that he could write that he could kill. Until that moment when he almost did because he realized what the problem is. He doesn't want them talking. He doesn't want them moving. He doesn't, none of this is, is appeasing to him. This is about, is uh, as about as appeasing to him as sleeping with his wife. So in the meantime. And now with the wife, I'm assuming that they kind of had talks where you don't move and Julie knows. don't talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Julie knows what he's, you know, I don't think that she it, her mind is going to necrophilia. Go. No. no. But she is thinking this is just what his preferences are. That would suck. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, seriously. I talk for a living, right? You think yeah. that I could shut up that? No. I would have a really hard time with that. I really would. No. So in the meantime, he is starting to get more comfortable at work, and he starts tend to, like testing his limits a little bit more because he feels like these people are his friends. He sent out a Christmas card with him posing with a festive drag queen, which he said was a funny joke. And I do think, <laughs> I, I love it. it. I would, that would be on my fridge year yes, round. I yes. would be like, yes. But that's us today. In this time, yes, they're like, do it then. But that, okay. I love that idea. Like I might have to steal it. Yes. But what they're saying is they did start to wonder if he was homosexual and they're just like. like was his wife on the card too? No, or just him? It's oh, just God. him. Him. Julie, of course, wants to start a family. Well, yeah, you that's know, the she's next a teacher. Step. Right. She she does. But the problem is, how does one start a family? You have to have sex with your husband. And this becomes more an than issue. once normally. Yeah. Yep. You know, unless you have perfect timing. Yes. And they're not I think that 
in Ryan Green's book, it said something like they'd had sex six times or something like that. But I don't know if that was six him times. guesstimating or if that was a, an actual statement from like Julie. Six it times wasn't in, in a quotes. week, right? Mm-mm. Oh my god! No, Poor in total, Julie. Julie is a victim. She absolutely she is, is a victim. This poor girl. I hope she was getting some on the side to I satisfy really hope her even needs. She had but toys, something. Thank you. I know. Me too. That but I don't know. Lady. Strong Christian upbringing. I'm, I'm really thinking not. no. Mm-hmm. Was it? Isn't friends. masturbation yeah, like, like frowned are, upon? I, I believe so. I do not know as much as Jason on the random facts, like, you know, raccoons up the anus. Yeah. I do yeah. not. I, I literally that's am That's not what you're bringing Jason, to the podcast, and that's okay. everything that he knows. I really need to meet Jason because I feel like he's an open encyclopedia of weird shit. Trust me. And I know he's going to hear freaky. this. And Jason, we need to be friends. FYI. <laughs> I do believe that is like I know, a yeah, taboo. It's a, it is a frowned upon thing because you're supposed to save that for your partner and yes. yada yada. Well, it takes a, it, <laughs> it takes them a long time to get pregnant. Okay, they do get pregnant, but it did take so uh, he was on ten the band years shot, into their marriage. Oh my god! Probably because they only had well, sex like you, eight times. Yes, that's just it. And like you said. I mean, there's only a 24-hour period when a, yes. wife, when a woman can become pregnant. And I'm so, pretty sure back then they didn't quite know the right. calculations. And I'm sure it wasn't wrote on the home calendar. No, definitely not. So they do have, th- in total, they do have three children together. But the first one came 10 years after they got married. So it started in 1979 with Marie. And then they had Eric two years later. And then three years after that, Emily. So they do have three kids together. God. And I'm sure you're probably wondering what kind of father, like, he might have been. My guess is hands off. You know, it's funny. That's a good guess because I think all of us would guess that. He was the exact opposite. He was great. He was a hands-on, really good dad. Like, before he becomes, you know, That almost makes me sad, too, because then his children are victims having their dad... Who they love and are bonded with. Yes. It would be better if he wasn't hands-on. I mean, he worked, but he was there for the kids. And he's still at the DMV, right? He is. Yep. He's still with the motor vehicles. He gave his kids love and affection that he couldn't give his wife. And he spent as much time with them as he could. He still goes on his alone time. Okay. Um, He's still engaging in that without Julie knowing what that really means. But after his kids come, it's not as often. You know what's weird is I'm surprised even back then, like with all the transmitted diseases, HIV, Mm -hmm. you know, was kind of starting that. It was. It was. It was like when the epidemic was starting with that. Yep. Especially in the gay community. Yes. That kind of makes me wonder how he got lucky there. it it is mentioned in the book. He does he does end up so contracting I'm jumping ahead. some STDs, but it becomes a part of the Indianapolis gay scene specifically. Yes. It was very it was hit very very hard with that, and there were a lot of people dying and sick. And he almost uses that to his advantage oh. when he starts picking victims of like picking people who have like kind of been through it all and seen it all and you know went through that struggle that in the 60s the and 70s mm-hmm. and wants so, to feel loved oh that's horrible yeah so they he he like spent money on his kids okay he was like he was all the things 
to him that his father like wasn't. He was home with them as much as he could be. He was warm and present for them. Um, Which is good. He is breaking that cycle. Yes. Well, yep. And that that's was just great. it to him. Breaking the cycle of being yep. a shitty dad. To him, to he's like dad. flipping his dad off yeah. to be like, I'm a better father. I am better at you yes. with something. And I'm a better I father. I am a better father mm-hmm. of three. But this doesn't come without stress because now the kids are cutting into his alone time, which means less of an outlet. Yes. Right? There's stress at work. Julie still wants time. Of course. Yep. So he can only keep himself stable for so long without the immediate outlet. So he starts creating this out- outlet. He reverts back to some of his old tricks from oh childhood. God. He starts urinating on his boss's desk. This goes on for months and it becomes pretty obvious to now, people at work. Now this is his friend, like the boss that... He picked him up in a hearse, or is this no? Okay, this is so the, this the, is the Department actual, of Motor Vehicles okay, job. Okay. Oh, sorry, I was yeah. thinking of the paper. No, nope, yep. yep, not okay. the paper. Yes, no. This is like just when people piss him off at work, He'll he's reverting back stuff. to those childhood, you know, yep things. And for whatever reason, though, they do let him get away with this for a while because he was so good at his job and efficient. At his job, like seriously. I don't care how efficient you are. You piss on I my know. desk, you're done. And I don't care. They're part of a union. I'll rub so, your nose in it. No, I don't. Union <laughs> leader, come, I will rub your nose in it too. And they, for a while, they tolerate this until one day he had pissed on the wrong paper because he pissed on a letter from the governor of Indiana. Oh, shit. So this was the last straw for the boss. You don't piss on the governor's paper. You don't. Nope, that is too far. Any yes, other of the papers. That's like the main head honcho yep, there. Not Don't the governor. Piss on a, uh, no. So they make Dumb him a deal. Ass. They're like, listen, if you don't put up a fuss about the fact that we are firing you because we know you did this, we won't tell everybody that you did this. Oh. And that you have been pissing on people's things for a long time. Does that sound like a good deal, Herb? I would hope he would take that because that would not look good coming out. He did. He takes it. He steps away without a fuss. He's older now. You know, he's not a young buck looking. Not, I mean, he's That's not old, even worse. Old, but now seriously, he's ba- right, right. That makes it ten times worse. Yep. But now he's thrust back into looking for jobs when he is no longer. And he like, had an amazing one. It sounds like yeah. that he was great. At. He lasted at that job for ten years. Yeah, he had that job for ten years. And now daddy is going to be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Right, right. So it's I'm running literally out of about the time that he starts having kids and the stress of that, even though he is a good dad, you know. The stress he doesn't of making have, himself be a good dad, though. Yes. And he doesn't have that outlet. You know, he's not going to the scene in Indianapolis as much. And so it comes out pretty fast for him um, that he starts behaving like this. But his dad does get him another. He did some odd jobs for a while. Um, Julie was teaching part-time. He was doing odd jobs. But then he gets a traveling sales job. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Traveling's not good. Mm-mm. And Julie was actually really supportive of him doing this. Now, I don't know if it's just at this point she's like. Get the fuck out of uh-huh, the house. Like, whatever, dude. You're weird. Go away. But during this time, we know that he was driving up and down I-70. We know he was picking up male hitchhikers, sex workers. We know that he was being crude and gruff and as rough as he wanted. Being himself, he no longer had to hide anything. 
any of the community nope. there to witness this, and these yep. people would have no idea who exactly. it was. Police reports at this time are coming in from sex workers and hitchhikers and things of the like, reporting a man that fits his description for how rough and gruff and all of the stuff that he was doing. But it was just what, this is all hindsight. We figure this out later, and I'll bring it back up at the point in time when they do figure this out, okay? It was the reporting source that they weren't taking seriously. Ah, oh, you're a sex worker. Ah, oh, you were hitchhiking. Ah, <sighs> uh, you're just a boy on the side of the road that doesn't have a family. You're, uh, you know, you're, you're not a good member of society. Yes. So we're not, we're just going to write all this down and we're not really going to take you seriously. But there were tons of police reports that are dug up later and match him just his description. And it matches with the timeline of when he started being a, a salesman on traveling I-70. He would tell boys that no one rides for free, so they either had to pay for the gas or pay with ass. And that that was kind of like his mantra. At this point, he's living a double life. He would frequent unsavory truck stops where his crude jokes and sick like mindedness was not frowned upon. I mean, what are they, you know, what are they yeah. going to do? During the long drives, he could fantasize about necrophilia without being interrupted. He oh, loved God. this. So it was. I during, don't even want to know what he was doing no. in the car while thinking of that. Like, nope. I nope. don't. Nope. Nope. I guarantee it was a sticky mess in there. Oh, I'm sure. There's and he's not driving enough, his, yeah, not his own baby vehicle. wipes mm-hmm. in the world, and I hope he had nope. leather seats. Called. Definitely ends up. This getting has impounded. ruined like a lot of my life. I'm, just so you I'm know. I'm sorry. Now you bicycle everywhere. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna be like I'm just huffing it. I'll be there in four hours. Right. Right. My GPS says by walking. Yes, I'll be I'll there, be there in, four in 27 hours. days. <laughs> If I leave right now. Yep. Ugh. So it's during this time when he's travel- tra- traveling, traveling, traveling door to door that he has all this time to fantasize, right? So he can, he starts to take that fantasy to reality. He picked up a young boy who needed a ride. The boy was familiar with what you have to do to get rides and he did not protest <sighs> so sad. when he was told to get in or when he was actually when he was told to suck. So trigger alert to some things here. He did not protest when he was told to get into the back seat even. He actually had even removed his own pants, putting himself in in position, in position so that he could get the ride. Okay. And I mean the car ride. So it was this encounter that that Herb realizes he's no longer satisfied with just erotic asphyxiation, and he made the decision that this would be the time when everything that he's dreamed and fantasized about since, yep, since he was a young child was going to come true. So he forced himself on the boy. Pandora's box. It is. It is this, and we don't we don't have an exact timeline of when this happened. Okay, we just so we don't know how many people he had. Um victimized before this that were survivors there because I told you there's yes. police reports but this young boy's body is like the first to be discovered and so this is where for him they start the timeline that does not mean that there weren't more before. undiscovered yes yep this but is just the yes, one that, that started investigators it. can okay. pinpoint uh-huh. that this was him mm-hmm mm-hmm at this point in time, you know, he, some point in time during the exchange, he goes from erotic asphyxiation. And we know that because there are survivors that almost die. Well, yeah, earlier we during, had the boy yep, that, yep. And later on, how he ends up getting caught, we know his MO. Okay. Is he starts with this whole, hey, I learned 
about this way to have a great orgasm. It's called erotic asphyxiation. Want to try it? And he like tricks his victims into like, oh yeah, yeah sure. Mm-hmm. Thinking that this is a consensual thing and that it's going to stop. And he, this boy is just trying to get a ride somewhere. And that so that breaks my heart too. Yes. When he tells, when he tells him, he like tricks him into like, I'm going to do this thing. And, and the you'll boy, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'll give you a ride. Yes. And so the boy allows it. He wraps his fingers around his throat and he squeezes until there's no life left. This, I mean, at some point in time, as it does with all serial killers, the fantasy goes to reality. And, and now we can fulfill yes, his desires. And so, right, right. But as we see, like we do with most serial killers, there's almost always something that's just not, that wasn't quite perfect about it, right? Well, yeah. So then we've got to do it again. Because like it doesn't truly satisfy. It's no, like never and ending. it never will. So yeah, they continue to do ending. it. So he- Now isn't, I'm oh, sorry, isn't strangulation like actually super hard to do? Because yeah. if you don't hold on long enough- yeah, you let air back in. Yes, yes. They, our bodies are meant it's, to breathe. It's like, very, um, very strenuous and taxing to do. That's what I had always yeah. read and heard. Mm-hmm. Like it was not an easy way to kill somebody. But something you should know about him and his mo: he always picks petite men. Okay, so he can men that he can have dominant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Always, he would never take somebody that might put up too much of a fight. And in that's him. scary too because he. But that's also right. But that's also very a very big trait of serial killers. Absolutely, that is definitely an mo right there on your victims. So we know from the body of the victim that it it appears as though he spent hours with the body until he was physically and exhausted, and then just leaves him on the side of the road. Um, One of his big fantasies that they know just based on all the things he would joke about is that he loved to fantasize about roadkill. And so that's another part of his MO, too, is he literally dumps these bodies and makes these boys look like roadkill. So bodies were easily found then. They were not discarded in a woods. They weren't hidden. They weren't buried. No, they're in ditches. They're on the side of the road. Um, He typically picked young boys who really seemed to be lost in the world that didn't have family ties to come looking for them. It eventually becomes very obvious to the police that they have a serial killer on the loose with an MO for young male sex workers, transient family, transient boys, those sorts of things. But since society looked down on those things, there was really no, there was no pressure to solve such cases. So they just sat open on the back burner. And especially when there's not any family pressure to find the their missing loved one. So there was one report, though, where there was an eyewitness. Police interviewed this person and even did a sketch of the person believed to be the perp. It absolutely matches his face, Herb's, oh Herb's face completely. Okay. But that picture was never circulated in the news. Yeah. So, so no they have public it. eyes we, on it. You know, through the later investigation, all of this comes forward and they look through this stuff and realize, oh my God, that was him. But it, at this point in time, so because of that, that was never circulated. It's not in the news. The police secretly know that they've got a serial killer that's killing Which these boys. Which is crazy because now it would have been public. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even have officers that would literally go to districts and be like, 
mm-hmm. I don't care that you're prostituting. You need to be yeah. careful. Yeah. You need to watch out. You need to. Uh, yep. Absolutely. This is what's this going is, on. Yeah, this is what we're seeing. I'm leaving. I'm not coming in to arrest you. Right. Don't let me find you I, in a ditch. I do think that um, serial killers have less chance these days for having as many victims because of the way that jurisdictions can easily talk to each other yes. through computer systems and whatnot. Now and more, there's go. more pressure. Media, media is, is on it more. Huge media outlets. Mm-hmm. Like yep. anything, there was just a girl that was abducted down south. Mm-hmm. And it's all over Facebook already. Mm-hmm. And like, it's crazy. The pictures and tips, they found one of the cars associated yep. it, within a 24-hour yep. period. I do think that Before those that have, wouldn't have no. done. No, would, they could go on for lo- years. Yeah, maybe your local, mm-hmm. you know, radio station might touch on it but briefly you weren't listening at the time yep you didn't hear it no in worldwide news covered bigger like political things they did not do the hometown right hey you have somebody dying and we're up to seven victims yes nope that wasn't really heard of right right so at this point in time we have the police that are gathered that know that they've got it's hush hush. Um, mm-hmm, that they've they got a serial killer, but they're not letting. Somebody. Yeah, they're not letting. There's no pressure. They're not letting. No, because they're, they're not actively that, looking into this. Yeah, right? They're runaways. Mm-hmm. They're homeless. Yep. They yep. did it to themselves. Yeah. That's the mentality. Yes. They have. So it's unknown. I'm just. We'll tell you right now. At this point in time, we don't know how many victims fell prey to him when he was a traveling salesman on I-70. Because we don't know if some of the victims he left, you know, more secluded in the woods that were never found or just not, cho- you know, never really looked into, not chalked up actually, to being a part of him. He didn't actually die. I mean, I wonder if there are survivors yeah. that did happen to not pass from it. Yeah. If he didn't right. do stuff afterwards and well, stay with the body for a long time, which I'm thinking that he, didn't he, happen. He did. He stayed with the body as long as he possibly could. Like, I would think if you position a body, you would be pissed when rigor mortis kicked in and it didn't stay right, where you wanted right. it. Right, Well, that's the thing. He stayed with the body as long as he could, as long as death would allow him to. And then and he, then was he like, would discard you're out. them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I wondered so. about that. I'm like, um, rigor mortis, you can't really stop. No, it no. It's like, yep. it, they're going to move. Yeah. So yep. they won't be in your little fantasy position you would that like you, them to yeah. stay in. Yep. And we'll, there's more on that to come in oh, part two. This is where we will end part one because oh, Jesus, after his first, what we, what police document as his first known victim as a young boy and who was a minor at the time. So that's why I'm not using his name. And they know we're at a point where we know we've got a serial killer, but we're not, it's on the back burner of everybody's minds. We're not really looking into it. And he was a traveling salesman for quite some time. So it's reasonable to believe that he had many victims. Nobody knows of. Yeah. But we will get to the rest of the story in part two. (sighs) So hang on. Hang on for that. It does get even more gnarly in part two. How can it get more gnarly? I hope everyone else's lives are ruined like mine are. (laughs) So I am not alone in this. Crime curious. We're here to ruin lives. You curious little bystanders and Patreons. I I want to hear if it ruined, you know, you're walking with dead animals and, you know, use cars. Walking. Are you walking with dead animals, Andrea? Take walks and see dead animals? I just put them on the leash and take them with my (laughs) dog. It's fine. I want them 
to still fulfill life. Now you see death. why I invited you for this one. Because I see you walking your dead animals all the time. Jesus. I'll just throw them in the bottom of the stroller. Right. It will be fine. <laughs> We're fine over oh, here. Oh, God. Listen, I'm going to leave you on on some dumb criminal things, okay? That'll be good. I, I love brain bass. I, I'm going to bathe you. It's going to be okay. And some of these I thought were really hilarious. Also with the mugshots. Also very funny. This one, in 2013... Two men tried to rob a restaurant, but were told by the owner to come back after an hour. Oh, my God. We don't have enough for you. We've only taken debit cards. Yep. Come back in an hour. We'll change our tips in for you. Yep. It'll be fine. The men return. Shut the hell up. In an hour. And they are arrested. Well, no. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine that, you know, police would be there now. So this is what is really funny, though. It's a late Sunday night. There's two men, Mario Garcia and 39-year-old, um, let's see, Domingo Garcia Hernandez, Hernandez, excuse me, 28. They entered a West Rogers Park restaurant and demanded food. The owner told them that he was too busy. And upon hearing that, Garcia Hernandez said, I will kill you. I have a gun with me. For food? Um, yeah, this is what it says that they were demanding. Oh my so, God. Garcia Hernandez, who is four foot eight inches tall. Karate chop him, throat chop him and be done. Well, he, he displays his gun from underneath his jersey that he was partially concealing a in a red gun? shirt. Like I would not be able to take that serious. So concerned for the safety of his patrons, the That's owner good. asked them to come back in an hour <laughs> Okay. And please like, leave your gun at home. I see you're gone. I don't want innocence to be hurt. I will give you food and money. Just come back in an hour when I'm not so busy and there's not so many people here. Oh my God. So they left the premises. He calls the police. And surprisingly, both men return after an hour with a baseball bat this time. Oh, we did leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, so, and it probably had nails in it. Like, I'm, maybe. I'm telling you. Police arrested them on the spot and charged them with one count of attempted aggravated robbery. Later, the police found the firearm, which turned out to be a black toy water pistol. I called it! Yes, yes, you did. And it was wrapped in a red t-shirt and hidden in the backyard of one of the suspects' home. <laughs> they like, will never find it. That is the clumsiest It's like leaving it on anything. the coffee table and with a yes. neon sign that yes. says, this is what this I is use. This is the, the And I have water in it, accessible right. and ready. At all times. But honestly, I mean, at that, oh gosh, that's got to be a food. different type of charge. I think it was food and money. But, but still, mm -hmm. like, here, I'm going to give you the register and I'll make you a burger. What honestly, would you like on if it? if they had probably just went in and asked for food, they I mean, they might have just been able to get it, but. Without yeah. the gun. And next time we're stilts, so you're not four foot, you know. You so need easily least, identifiable? You need to at least be like 5'11 or taller Something. to try to Which intimidate. Which I think is why the guy was like, okay. He probably could tell it was a water pistol too. I so know. he's like, come back in an hour. We'll, we'll get this We'll get this figured yeah. out. Please yeah. don't shoot me. I don't want the grease to splatter. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Why and grease do not mix, please, sir. I just redid the upholstery. Yes. I don't yeah. need grease all over. All Thank you. Water. Thank you. Oh, my God. So this next one says a Chinese thief snatched. Why does it? Why do we care that they're Chinese? I don't get it. A thief snatched a woman's phone and ran into a nearby building to escape. 
the building turned out to be a police station. That that is perfect. <laughs> and I bet she laughed her ass off. Right. Was right. like, thank you for going before I had to. This actually did happen in China, and the suspect, surnamed Chang, had only arrived in um sh- ooh, Shenzhen. Sorry, sounds guys. good. Yep, nailed it. And. <laughs> It, he, he hadn't been there very long, so he's not familiar with the neighborhood, which is how this all happens. So he grabs her phone. He runs through traffic straight into a building, which was actually a police station. And he now, had no idea. Would it, uh, if you were a tourist, maybe you wouldn't be able to read the big sign. I'm sure there is a sign on it that says know. police. Maybe, but he's but he's given chase. So, like, so, he's running okay, away so from that's her. True. He's probably not looking and reading. Yes. She chased after him. And stumbled, but managed to get up and continue chasing him. And when she reached the police station, she shouted help, and a police officer promptly arrested the man on spot. Oh, my God. You're like, here's your cell. You only had three more stops. Right. Right. Thank you. I did not even have to get the car out. Right. Making our job so easy. I I wish could you tell the other criminals how to do Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And I bet he was like, I'm such a jackass. (laughs) Right. I mean. Over a phone. Before you're going to go a Robin, at least look, look at, at a your map. surroundings. Right. Like figure out within your new location, you know, you just move to a new city. I can, I get it. It can be confusing, but you should probably know or your escape Or while you're running, route. look up and read right. where you're and running figure, into. Figure and I'm out. sure when you stepped in and saw everybody in their uniforms and desk, I oh, would assume. Oh, he probably shat himself at yeah. that point in time. I would assume you knew you made a big error. Big mistake. Like, oh, sorry. Yep. Yep. Could I please like, rewind? Oh shit! Time? I gotta cl- play it cool. Play it yeah. cool. This is my purse. I just need to take a shit. Do you have a bathroom? Right, right. <laughs> With my purse, my man purse, yes. right here. It's uh, under my shirt. It's really a beer gut. Yes, yes. <laughs> Bulky. Let's see. This next one says a guy with a mask tries to rob a Radio Shack he works at with a stun gun and pepper spray. He ends up tasing himself, oh returns God. later to work his <laughs> shift, and gets arrested. Jesus criminy. <laughs> The tasing yourself always oh, honey, gets me. This happened in Florida, 2014. Of Florida's course, it was a Florida best. man. They yep. are so, I don't know what they drink down Shit. there, but it is something else. It is. Wearing a blue ski mask, a man, Andre T. Puskas, entered the store. That is his last name. Um, I didn't Puskas, even fuck that up. Um, that is, his that last name is Puskas. Maybe Puskas, but I'm calling I like him Puskas. Puskas. Yep. He entered the store at 930. He had pepper spray and a stun gun along with him. Oh, Jesus. Inside the store, an employee dropped to the floor but tried to move. Andre saw her and pepper sprayed her. Oh, <gasps> freaking rude. That She's stuff. already on the ground. Right. There's no need. Also, he also would have got pepper sprayed. It's no in the shit. air now. It's not dumbass. good. No. As the woman ran, Puskis then tried using a taser on her but ended up tasing his own hand. <laughs> So then he runs out of the store and tosses. Shaking. Toss- yes. Sorry, I just shook the whole thing. It's okay. <laughs> Shaking. Yes, he's tased himself. He, so he runs out of the store, tosses the mask in a dumpster. Then he returns at 4 o'clock for his, to the same radio oh shack God. for his regular shift and was arrested. Like, they're like, wait. You didn't even get anything. Nope. And you pepper Nothing. sprayed your, your fucking co-worker. co-worker who was already on the ground. For no reason. And I hope that taser left a hole in your hand. You know, he's probably like, how'd they know it was me? No, it's weird. No Weird. cameras. I bet there was no cameras outside in the parking lot. It's 2014. Lot. Yeah. They're, 
They're Come everywhere. On, right. They and saw you where you dumped it and saw your dumped face the when mask. you turned around. Also, she probably recognized your voice, you dumb you thug. You probably talked to her men like, Suzanne, I'm really sorry. I want the, Susie! I want the latest scanner. Yes. Oh, shit. Don't move. Oh, wait. Shit. I pepper sprayed everybody. Okay, this one's this next one's really good, though. A thief got caught when he dialed 911 after... The truck he had stolen ran out of gas. Oh, he's Could 19. Could you please give us a fill up? That's why. Poor soul. Oh. But still, you don't call 911 on yourself. Oh. Gas or not. 2009. So gas isn't cheap then. 19-year-old no. Tacoma man stole a 1985 Chevy truck. This thing is a beaut, too, by the way. Um, from the storage yard at the city transfer. This itness. This witness, this incident was witnessed by an employee of the company, and he reported it to the police. Later that day, about 12.30 p.m., another employee at the same company spotted the stolen truck on Highway 167, called 911 to report that same truck, you know, that someone mm-hmm. was in that truck that had been um, stolen. Now, this is a 1985 Chevy truck. Those, like, these, this is not touch, blending in in 2009. No, and you touch the gas, you lose like seven gallons. Yes, right. They're tanks. Right. A few minutes later, police receive a call from the Tacoma man who reported that his truck had ran out of gas and is now stranded on Highway 167. Really sucks for where you. Poli- where someone had just called in and said, we saw Dumb someone ass. in that stolen truck. So they reached the spot. The Tacoma Tacoma man was wearing a city transfer green reflective jacket and tried to claim that he was working for the company. (laughs) That already called in and reported it stolen. stolen. Yep. But the city transfer employee who initially saw the man take the truck came to the scene and identified the driver as the same man that he saw earlier. Did he not think that they wouldn't run the plates? Oh, honey, he's 19. He doesn't know how policing works. Any, you can call for help in your home and they will figure it out, but you're still handing over your ID at right. some point. Right, exactly. They're going to verify some point, who they're They're going to make sure you're who you are, at, even if it's after the fact. Just oh. like they pull up, they're going to run your goddamn plates. That's just how it works. Yep. You better have insurance, too. Yep. Dumb yep. ass. And so I think I'm going to save the rest of these for the end of part two. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Because there's. I some think good I'll ones stick here. around for part two. Okay. I got to see how this nasty herb goes down. Yeah, I'm not calling him herb. He's herb. He's herb. He's a nasty herb. He just he transferred from the. I really like the little innocent boy to mm-hmm. fuck you. Herb. To you're a disgusting you're a human shitty being. human mm-hmm. and a shitty husband who never gets satisfies his wife. Right. Like, my heart goes out to her. Let's let that just be known. And I hope she found Julie, somebody poor that Julie was never had an orgasm. And, oh, me too. And literally wanted sex five times All the a time. day. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. And loved when she pranced around naked. Yes, for him. we can. And made her feel good about being yes. naked. That's All my right. hopes for Julie. On that note, uh, we hope you guys keep it curious and come back for part two. And follow me on social medias. I'm Crime Curious Podcast on Facebook, Crime.Curious Instagram, and at Curious Crime on Twitter. You can send case suggestions to crimecurious at yahoo.com. And if you would like to binge some extra, tons of extra content on Patreon and continue to get extra content each month, feel free to join, go to patreon.com slash crimecurious, or you can click the link that's in the show notes. Until next time, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.